0: Hello and welcome to the Why I Knit podcast. My name is Dr Mia Hobbs and I'm a clinical psychologist who is passionate about knitting and its benefits for our mental health. Each week on the podcast I interview a different knitter about why they knit and how it benefits their mental health. This week on the podcast I'm talking to Lisa Silva of Ivy and Lily Yarns. Lisa was interviewed on the Humans of West Knit series that Irina Shah featured on her Fiber Chats channel, where she interviewed lots of different people who were planning to knit the recent twists and turns shawl as a mystery knit along. I was really interested to speak to Lisa because she has a diagnosis of ADHD. And I know that many people find that knitting helps them to focus and concentrate. So I was interested to hear more about how this works for Lisa. Please note that we do talk about what it's been like for Lisa to have a diagnosis of ADHD and her experience of being forced to take medication as a child. So hi Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Hi Mia, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So I always start with asking where your story with knitting began. So where did yours start?
1: Uh, Okay, it, it goes over three decades, really. So I had to think about this, but it, it. And I'd love to say it started with both my nanas teaching me how to knit, which ultimately, throughout life, they have done that. And but my journey probably started when I was a, as far back as I can remember. And my grandparent, my 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 nana and papa were both uh, in the fashion industry, rag trade at the time. And I used to sit at their house, and all the stock, all the clothing would be in their house, and I would pick all the threads of coloured cotton off of the the rags and the clothing. And I'd roll them into balls and have balls of coloured cotton. And that escalated to, these are just my memories, that escalated to things like um, collecting rubber erasings. So I'd, ru- I'd find coloured rubbers and rub out, get all little coloured erasings and, and keep them in boxes, colours. And it's always been about colour. Uh, hole punches, i punch coloured paper and keep all the coloured hole all the colored paper so therein lies the start of my journey with color because my world's always been about color um and then knitting came in and it probably as I say both my nanas taught me how to knit throughout life but um that wasn't a particular memory it's more stepping forward in the 19 I can say the 1980s when I was working in Covent Garden and walked past Patricia Roberts knitting shop um, Gina, you know, have you heard of her, the designer no, Patricia I don't Roberts? Think I have. Oh. So she's one of those 1980s, Kay Facet, Sasha Kagan, Patricia Roberts. They were all they were quite a, they elevated uh hand knitting into high fashion at that time. They they started it was all about texture and colour, and it really took little old ladies knitting collars backwards and putting them onto your clothing or 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 jump school jumpers into fashion. I walked past this shop and it was all Uh, tiled out white tiles and hanging hanging like an art gallery were just these incredible jumpers colour all about colour um she had jumpers with bunches of grapes hanging off of them and cherries and scrabble boards and patchworks and this kaleidoscope of colour and the jumpers at the time were about 80 90 pounds and with my first lot of wages I went and bought a jumper, which my mother shrunk, but I still wore it. Oh it was, no! You know, oh, she did, but I, I was young enough to do crop tops then. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: But I so you weren't heartbroken. Years. I was
0: heartbroken, Maybe you were but as well. It,
1: it didn't bother me. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was also she only ever used uh, natural fibres: cotton, okay. angora, mohair. So. You know, when you'd go into your, your local yarn shop, you'd have all your acrylic yarn that you'd, that grandma or mum would put by for a jumper. And they'd come every so often and buy a few balls of it. To, yeah. So they all got the same dialogue. But it was never anything other than same sort of thing. But Patricia Roberts was just about colour and texture. And so, yeah, her stuff was amazing. So that was from then on, and this is so typical of me, I only ever wanted to knit Patricia Roberts jumpers. And bear in mind, I hadn't knitted other than grandma's teaching me how to knit. But that's all I wanted to do. So I think it was my mother, my mother-in-law or to be mother-in-law who used to go to the local department store in Yorkshire and get her wool and make her little jumpers up. She gave me her woman's own magazine uh, because I said I wanted to knit she gave me a woman's own magazine there was a little stripy jumper in there and I wasn't going to do that at all I was going to do it but in my own style so I changed the design I changed the size I changed the shape I added a bright pink pocket on it I once I'd learned how to stripe I put pink stripes in and I was never able to do anything normal and I only ever wanted to do really complicated things and I and, and that's that started me off and I think as a a young adult in my twenties, I was then knitting beautiful jumpers, and it it took it from, um, just just high fashion. I was knitting high fashion, and then I get I had my son, and I used to knit him crazy hats and crazy things, and I've never stopped. I never oh, actually, I did stop. I stopped, and when my son was about sixteen, he he's also got ADHD, and at sixteen, he took my car in the middle of how was 17 he was just learning to drive I think took my car in the middle of the night really bad and drove off and it it was the worst night at that time the worst night of my life I sat up all night not knowing what to do Mm. and I just went straight for my knitting for having not knitted since he was a baby because I went through his childhood but then picked up my knitting again and it was my it was my zen I just needed to do something throughout that night and he came back safe and everything was fine it was a it was a bad night but it all ended up okay police were involved but everything was fine he got warnings um and i started knitting and i remember knitting in my shop i had a shop at the time and this mm. little old lady came in and she said to me i had explained to her what happened she said well it's a bit like rising through the flames like a phoenix it's like you've found your inner soul and it was i almost exploded back into life through my knitting i i i found peace and serenity and concentrate I was able to uh, focus energy on that not life um
0: it sounds like I mean it's a common story I think the idea about um knitting being something that allows you to sit with something that's really difficult like so I've talked to people who've had for example mm -hmm. a baby in a NICU or Mm -hmm. um going through a bereavement or sitting with a loved one who's um kind of having end of life care and the idea of it allowing you to sit with something that's really hard that you can't change and maybe you can't there are certain things you can't do that maybe be uh reading or something that takes more of a, a different focus whereas with knitting you can do it with your hands and give your brain a bit of space maybe the space it needs to sit and process what's going on for you
1: a brain holiday <laughs> yeah yeah I think yeah it's um it's, yeah, do something with your hands. And then I personally can't read a book because my mind will just wander straight off. But the knitting for me, and as you say, always perhaps in in, in a trauma situation, um, and that's one of the beautiful things about knitting. But then there's, uh, I mean, it's, it is like moving meditation. Uh, it senses you, doesn't it, really? Because you have to do that in the moment. But then you've got knitting because you're feeling traumatized and you need something to do with your hands. And then you've got knitting because you need to relax and it's just a very very beautiful thing to do like pushing a pause button when the rest of the world's just rushing by.
0: Hmm. It sounds like for you it ticks a lot of boxes because it's not Mm. just about finding something to centre yourself and calm yourself down it sounds like it's also gives you a big like spark of uh, joy or creativity as well that you you're it sounds like from the very get go, you've been attracted to the idea of the colours, how they look together, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that maybe knitting found a way of that also becoming a useful item, yes, um, or elevated from the little balls of thread that maybe looked really pretty, but I don't know what they became, if anything, whether they were just little bits of art.
1: <laughs> bit, you know, they were bits of art. That's yeah. exactly what they were. Yeah. And even now, even at home here, I have white walls and then bright things all over the walls. Mm. So. It's constantly about colour, and a practicality is a really good thing. So, as you say, you know, making something at the end of it, and uh, yeah, having something a hat at the end of it is just just a bonus, isn't it? Like yeah. workable art, really.
0: Yeah. And what's your relationship like with the finished things? Like, does that not? You're not bothered. Not, not, not
1: bothered. <laughs> no. Okay. No, it, I'm only in the moment with it. I I try really hard and. I everything I knit I I knit with absolute love and passion and then as soon as it's done so I I don't mind not looking at it again I I quite love knitting blankets because I've got them draped everywhere yeah (laughs) because I can do this huge expanse of color and creativity and then they keep you warm as well and they Mm. look good draped yeah so I like knitting blankets um so that's a bit
0: more like art in your home I suppose in a way art in art in my home yeah but it's also useful
1: yeah also yeah but so hats and things I um constantly knitting little if I do a little project like I've got some lovely socks I can't quite see them lovely socks I've knitted over there but I'll never wear them they've got little flowers on them I just wouldn't do it but so do you gift
0: them some of the things you've made
1: I do but nobody ever wears anything
0: <laughs> they
1: just all laugh at me I mean my, my sister begged me for socks and I, I knitted her socks and she's like oh they're gorgeous thank you and they go in the drawer <laughs> and my boyfriend just laughs at me I mean I knitted him three hats now he's like how many hats could you knit me Lisa like he's a very typical Yorkshire man he just he's happy with one hat and it's got to be practical it needs to be Cover his ears and be warm. He doesn't want any of this aesthetically looking colourful stuff. Okay.
0: Great. So but, he's um, not so much I, a customer for your
1: neon hats. Uh, no, no. no. <laughs> not at all. Uh, I'd love to. I did try knitting him a blue and yellow hat once. That didn't go down very well. It got rejected. oh That's sitting in my box of knitted things that nobody wants as well. But I mean, knitted socks, for example, I think you've got to be a special type of person to like knitted socks because they're actually not, not itchy, but they're. They're weird on your feet. They're not comfortable. You kind of know you're wearing them. They're okay, case bed socks. But once you start putting shoes on top of socks, knitted hmm. socks, you can just feel them underneath. I love them. Do you? You've got to be a special type of person.
0: <laughs> Maybe I'm special. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> they're so much warmer when they're oh. warm. Um And I guess in the winter, I generally wear, like I'm wearing boots or something that's kind of forgiving enough to make space for, I'm not in uh yeah, or wellies on my dog walk. I'm <laughs> very happily. <Practical laughs> but
1: wouldn't you rather a nice pair of shop bought, <laughs> fleecy socks that no. hand knit? No, that's really cool. <laughs> I, I, I wear them with sand like Birkenstock sandals, socks, so open toe sandals. That is a look for me. That is a real geeky look that I love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I love um, hand knit socks. Um, oh, and I do like having. I like having a portable project so that if I'm going, I don't know, qu- on a bus or to the dentist or something, I could bung in a fairly easy to knit sock.
1: I Because, you know, you
0: can fit it in a teeny tiny bag. Absolutely. Um, or if you think, OK, I might be sitting at the playground for a while in the park or something, mm-hmm. you could just have a sock with you. Um, yes. So I think they're perfect for that. But it sounds like you're oh, really a very much a process knitter, that the joy is very in much. the making for you
1: yes yes okay. yes 100 percent. the the Stephen shawls I've knitted mm. um I've I really struggled to wear them they're vibrant and bright and I, I do I, I do occasionally wear them because I'm quite a colorful person yeah
0: um
1: although I do wear a lot of black but um yeah so I but they're just too uh they're just Garish and overthought, but I absolutely love knitting them.
0: Okay. And tell me what you love about those. So they're quite complicated designs, often involving new techniques, and um yeah. they're often quite varied, aren't they? In terms of there'll be a section of this and a section then of a different type of knitting. Is that what attracts you the kind of yeah, I'd love to know what you love about them. So
1: there's two types of knitting I love. There's the knitting that I can sit and watch Netflix and just knit and produce a piece of art like say something like i mean i know we're on podcast here but something like that which is for me it's, it's my uh way of it's very simple mitered square blanket yeah which is just simple garter stitch so i can sit and watch television um and it's and in different colors different squares different
0: colors and, different it's right different
1: colors and I'm, i am creating something at the end of it whereas yeah. a Stephen west knit i would have to focus all my energy and attention on that in the moment and I can make shopping lists while I'm doing this sort of knitting and like when I was thinking about what I was going to talk to you about I was knitting this blanket because I can I can open my mind and and just use to just do something with my hands which where is the which is where the ADHD comes into it because I look at me I'm like even talking with my hands now they're just they never sit they never stay still they're just yeah just yeah they're always moving um but yeah so Stephen West anything complicated I love when I don't want to think about things and I I need to just concentrate on my knitting one-to-one
0: and do you have? Would you have like music or an audiobook, or would you literally sit and just do the knitting?
1: Just do the knitting. I sit in the quiet. I uh, no, no audio. I, I like the idea of, of, of perhaps listening to a podcast. Maybe I don't do it often enough, but when I do, I really enjoy it. But again, probably not when I'm complicated knitting because mm. I, I just I like that having to concentrate and when you like if you're doing a lace stitch and you every few stitches you've got your little markers and you've got to repeat and move the marker across. I mean, there's no way you can. I don't know. I'm not particularly single-minded. I'm, quite, I'm I can multitask quite well, but um, yeah, I just like to focus completely on that on that one thing.
0: And I think that's a really common. I think a lot of people on the podcast have mentioned that. And I kind of call it active relaxation. The idea of sometimes needing something really absorbing for your brain to yeah. um, that that's a, a way of giving it a rest. That's certainly something I relate to. That I can rest yeah. my brain, so I can't think about you know the shopping list or work or I don't know play dates and all all the other things that are in my brain I have to just on the tax return just think about the knitting and that is a rest do you have ADHD do I have ADHD well it's an interesting question um I don't have a diagnosis of ADHD but I think there are certain I have to reach re-track my brain often I would say I'm in the middle of emptying the dishwasher and then I suddenly end up tidying up something and doing something else. So I certainly would say I'm always multitasking.
1: Yeah. I certainly
0: can't just sit and watch TV yeah. and just sit. I would fall asleep, yeah. though. <laughs> but I I could. That's, you know, when I knit. Lots of people say, how do you find the time to knit? And I basically knit for like about an hour when I sit down in the evenings. Um, But if I was doing a training on Zoom, like recently I did my um, safeguarding training and that was three hours of sitting in front of a. uh, There was some interaction, but mainly a lot of listening. And then I would have to have some knitting. Otherwise, I would really struggle to focus, I would say.
1: Um, So the the sock came out.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I think there are certain elements of it that, that I do definitely relate to, but I don't have a diagnosis of ADHD. And I think it's a really common, I think I've heard lots of women are are being assessed, you know, for ADHD as, you know, adults.
1: It is really hard to, to try and identify what makes me different to you yeah. because everything you said, yeah. we are the same. Yeah. And for the same reasons. Um I said to my boyfriend, what how would you you say what makes you think i've got adhd what makes me different and he said well you're a bit of an emotional weather vane that's his only description So i'm very hyperactive but I, but I don't know what what really there's nothing really that identifies me and on a, a much milder scale if i'm driving the car and i need to go left for example all of a sudden i'll turn right so i'm also uh, a bit irrational But as I say, when I watched back my interview with Irina, I thought I was rabbiting and just all over the place.
0: But I think, you know, when you're like you said, you said you were a little bit nervous about doing that. I think like many of us with the adrenaline, things we feel like we're doing in a slow way. Adrenaline speeds everything up. I think, you know, when I've timed myself doing giving a presentation and practiced it at home. It can take 10 minutes and then when you do it in real life and you're nervous, you do it in half the time because you're <laughs> everything's double the speed. So I think that's certainly the case. And I guess I suppose the other thing is, you know, when I work with children who may or may not, you know, who might have difficulties that might meet the criteria for ADHD, I think often you feel like actually as adults, we get to choose much more of our uh, what our daily life looks like. So, we can all choose things that tick the boxes that make us feel happy humans so so if we're somebody who like I enjoyed having a job where I went out to different schools because I didn't sit at one desk for an entire day because that that's not how I work well and for example you can choose a life where you can do or choose a job where you're maybe more active or you're using your skills at multitasking that other people might find difficult um yeah so I think that um Whereas at school, everybody's kind of in the same environment. And that might be a situation where somebody who finds sitting still is good that's gonna be more difficult for them and cause yes. them problems or, or in actual fact cause problems for the teacher. <laughs> but um, you know, as adults, we can maybe find more of a niche and then some of the things that might make so us true. feel different are maybe adaptive and helpful <laughs> in, in that yes. situation. <laughs>
1: I mean, they're amazing now in the schools compared to when I was at school, and in fact, when my son was at school, uh, my grandson, who because ADHD apparently is genetic, can be inherited, impulsive—that's the mm. word. Very impulsive. But Jesse, my grandson, he—he's just before they broke up, the teacher called me in and said, "Could I get him some sensory toys for school?" And I, what do you mean? She said, "Well, um, pen tops, so he can chew, because we're always having." he always needs something to do with his hands and he doesn't concentrate and he's better when we let him i mean they used to let me doodle at school well, no they didn't mm. they used to let my son sorry not me my son they used to let my son doodle at school um uh, but my grandson yeah he's now got pencil toppers that he can chew and that sounds such a good idea because he's happy as he's chewing a pencil and he's being he's getting mm-hmm. in trouble he just needs he can't concentrate and as you say sitting in school all day is 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 really hard for that And I've
0: been to um i mean obviously as a psychologist uh going to you know conferences or trainings run by psychologists they maybe think more about this kind of thing that other people do but you know mm. where there've been pens uh colorful things on the table to encourage people to doodle as part of listening because there's this idea that actually it's not just certain people that concentrate better when their hands are busy it's actually very many people and humans are not really designed to sit still for hours and hours on end mm. um without interacting yeah but I think it's something um I think a lot of knitters relate to maybe being people who are quite busy, and uh, that it helps them/slash us to sit down <laughs> and find some uh, peace. Yeah, Stacy Perry. I don't know if you know um, from very pink knits talked about feeling like her knitting seat belts her in her chair <laughs> because um, yeah. and forces her to sit down, and yes. when she might otherwise be running around being very busy. Um, and I think I feel like that sometimes, especially if I've got lots of like balls of yarn attached and, um, you know, the dog needs to be let out. For example, and I said to my husband, well, let your, I'm actually doing something useful here, sitting and knitting a jumper and I've got five balls of yarn. It will take me much longer. Why don't you go and let the dog out into the garden?
1: Oh, definitely. It's a distraction. For, also like a distraction from what you should be doing, a, a positive and creative distraction and genuine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Although, you know, I'd probably have a a tidier house if I didn't do it. But there
1: we go. Yeah, but the bricks and water are going to be the bricks are going to be there a long time after we're not. So life is absolutely for living that this very small journey we're on in the 80 odd years. We're here on this planet. So knit. Yeah. Don't clean houses. Knit something lovely. (laughs) Make something lovely. Have a beginning, a middle and an end to your day or your whatever you're doing. I think that's a very positive way to, to, to get through to get through this journey.
0: Is there in any life. other reasons? you talked a lot about why you think knit, you were attracted to knitting. Anything else or any other ways you think it benefits your mental well-being in general?
1: Um, It's cheap therapy, isn't it, for a start?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes it's cheap, sometimes it's quite <laughs> yeah, expensive.
1: Well, I, oh, well, I'm a yarn dyer now, ah, so yeah. I can... I can have anything I want um and I don't need to spend and how did that come
0: about and how does that relate like does your feeling about dyeing is it similar to knitting or is it a different thing altogether yeah
1: it's everything I do I do with such extreme passion and determination that I'm going to be the best at it whatever I do so hence the Patricia Roberts jumpers I only ever wanted to knit the best jumpers and I think um, and were
0: they patterns or were they finished projects, like finished like clothing you, you could buy, buy or, or both? Yeah, you
1: could buy the you could buy the finished clothing. She sold her own yarns and you could buy the pattern books. Oh, okay. I mean, I have all her pattern books here. So, mm-hmm. yes, you could have it. You, you could do it all. My nana, my nana died and I bought with uh, with her money. I bought a spinning wheel because mm-hmm. I think I saw on Instagram this art art yarn and that's all I wanted to do was spin art yarn however spinning is an amazing journey um and I ended up teaching workshops and things but um so I started spinning and then I had to create all my own um oh, all my own fiber bats and things which yeah. were full of crazy stuff like sequins and bits of threads and cottons and I know again we're on a podcast but I can show you yeah some oh, wow. of the, some of the wools that I created with like beads and flowers in, and uh, ladybirds beads hanging off, and and this one was particularly fun because I did a course and they said in the course um, describe yourself in a ball of wool, and because I I'm from London and I've lived up here for about thirty odd years up here in New Yorkshire, but um, I always see myself as a city girl and I've always loved the best of everything. So this is knitted, this is spun out of cashmere's and it's got little pearls spun into it because that reminded me of my nana and wearing pearls and going to work and and then there's green in it for the countryside so and then there's oh, I love that ragging. idea
0: of having like a life story <laughs> yarn
1: <laughs> a life story so I've never sold that one because yes it is my life story and yeah. there's all your colored threads are all in there bits of fabric and it's ever so colorful and it's all your kind of pale pinks and greys for the buildings and pale pinks for girlies things and so spinning was a am- mate was was an amazing journey for me um But I always just wanted to dye yarn. And then I discovered all these speckled and hand-coloured dye yarns. And I I moved from spinning a little bit more into the world of hand-dye yarns. And it was only really in lockdown that I uh, had the time to teach myself to become a dye. Because I'm self-taught with everything I do from spinning, drop spindles, making fibre bats, dyeing wool. Um, And then I decided to set up as a business. And uh yeah uh, so you, got, yeah I've got loads of yarn everywhere but I, yeah, I, I love it I can it. see that's some just...
0: amazing neon yarn in the background that's
1: just drying um Ooh. yeah it seems to be I've had a bit of a run of that on Etsy so uh, amazing I don't often get runs of things but I've keep selling it so I keep making it if, if I'm sort of swapping back here I'm sorry about this but I just wanted to say to you as a little girl I used to be given little blue pills which turned out to be Valium and I remember being held down to take them because so I never wanted to take them to calm me down. So, I mean,
0: that sounds really like a traumatic experience.
1: It was, uh, but it, it it tells me that I was that it is definitely something I've just been like this all my life, and mm-hmm. I accept now that I am hyperactive and I am a bit mad. I, I just embrace it all, really.
0: Mm-hmm. And what do you think of the benefits, like in terms of? Are there benefits to that, do you think? It sounds like you've got a huge drive and creativity.
1: That's all the benefits. That's all the benefits. Passion. um...
0: And, like, it's amazing to be the kind of person who can't or maybe can knit a little bit, but that you go straight for the top of the I'm knitting a high fashion jumper for my first project.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And that's how I approach everything. So when I wanted to dye wool, I didn't just want to dye wool, I wanted to be one of the best dyers I wanted to be, and I looked up all the best dyers and that's what I wanted to do exactly Mm. what they do and and I can but what I hadn't anticipated with was that it is a let's say an extremely saturated market and there are lots of incredible dyers out there and my I every time I turn my hobby into a business which is something I always do okay um, you do lose your hobby and actually the knitting over the last few years knitting is way more important than And selling yarn, Mm. so I've just calmed all that side of it down. I don't need the pressures of a website or social, social, social networking and Instagram and and it's actually very hard work. All that trying to keep up on Instagram and doing lives and oh, I I, I just want to knit.
0: Mm. Has knitting ever been a business, as in because I guess that's a different, in a way, different category to the production of yarn. Or has yeah, knitting no, always
1: been your hobby? It's always been my hobby. It's always the end product. But even so, spinning was. I turned that into a business. I taught workshops. I had a. I had a, a little shop selling some of the things I'd made, selling the workshops, selling in in the in my local market here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it is what they call it. It's like it is a slow fashion. It takes such a long time to make anything, and especially yeah. if you're spinning, you're going from fibers you're creating a bat then you're creating then you have to spin it then you have to knit it perhaps you're even dyeing it i mean all for a hat what price can you put on it mm. so the end it's really hard to put money on an end product for me um no knitting as such has never been a business but all the surrounding things have so i've been mm. through the, the spinning business the yarn dyeing business i'm still there i still do it i have a, a little shop on etsy and I'm it, it, it turns it turns over and I'm always so happy when I sell someone wool, not for the money, because somebody wants my wool. And I inevitably pop another, whatever they buy, I'll put something else in the pack, in another skein of yarn in the pack for them, because just to give them the pleasure. It is about spreading the joy. I absolutely love it. It's not my main business. I, I make a living doing other things. Um, this for me is just a lovely Hob- it's a real hobby business.
0: Yeah, um, and it sounds like it does really strongly relate to the things that attracted you as a child, like the color and completely. the creativity with, yeah. uh, like that side of it as art, like yeah. a skein of yarn, yarn as art. Yeah,
1: a skein of it's all about the art. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Um, in terms of the things that you choose to knit, so it sounds like you've got kind of two categories. You love the kind of complicated things where you really have to focus. And then you also like to have something that you can do slightly without thinking too much while you're doing something else. Another are those ago, the two yeah. main things? Yeah. Yeah. And how much is it about like, do you, are you someone who needs to, do you get a sense of achievement from finishing a thing, even if you don't like necessarily wear the shawls that often or a blanket, or does that not so, so much of a big thing for you? Yeah. I, I, Cause
1: I'm, all, I'm I'm such an in the moment person every time I, I i knit anything even if it's just a square on my mitered square blanket i've I'm, i've 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 achieved that in a day i've yeah. achieved another square towards the end product and to be able to appreciate the product of uh, the, uh, the the item the fabric i make afterwards is is just a bonus so yeah the fact that i have colorful patchwork blankets hanging around yeah the hat the, the flat here um is just a benefit it's just a bonus for me so I get a sense of achievement achievement every single time I pick up my pick up my needles. I mm. just just it's just I'm never not knitting. Having I mean, you say you will knit socks on a bus, I'll knit a blanket on the bus. Mm. <laughs> or on the, I travel quite a lot. Um I'm go to London. M- my boyfriend lives in Gaul. Um so I'm just always on the go mm. and I've I've always got knitting. I mean, I have three knitting bags. You know how people have hospital bags packed, I have knitting bags packed. Yeah. with all sorts of projects so I have to go to London next week for a week it's not a holiday it's my, my father's unwell he has Alzheimer's so between my sister and I we go to London once a month to spend time with him and mm-hmm. hospital appointments and so it's a really really boring time it's there's mm-hmm. the train journey then there's the sitting around with him all day because uh, he doesn't like going out anymore so yes that's I have a big bag of stuff to do mm. I have my Stephen West shawl yeah. I have my Mitre square blanket um don't think I have any other. Oh, I'm a one project person that's another thing okay. about me I don't ever have multiple things I'm not good with multiple I like to do something and finish it mm. start it and finish it I don't can't have two things on the go
0: and in terms of things like the color and the fiber that you choose like how much of that is part of what I don't know the joy of knitting I'm guessing quite a lot
1: a lot yeah uh, best of cashmere's um, soft best yarns best merinos t- texture it's the feel the, the feel afterwards I mean who you know knitting a hat and it's itchy I think I found that with hand spun when I made something eventually with hand spun you spend all this time getting to the end product and then it was a, a hat that was just a bit itchy even though it was merino it was I don't know so I, I like to use um the best yarns where I can mm-hmm
0: and are the colors always vibrant or is it not necessarily always that way are there different colors for different moods or I don't know different phases for you or are they always always similar colors that attract you
1: I would never knit myself with those neons they just happen to be quite popular uh, popular at the moment yeah um yes I've got I think I've got a really good eye for color I am able to get any colors and put them together and they look good. Um, I really, there's a, a, a designer called, I think it's Sophie Diggard. Diggard. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, who does Her, um, like tiny crochets with tiny, uh, with, very thin threads. Is that yeah, right?
1: And yeah, and beautiful muted. She's very, very intricate and very muted colours, but amazing colours. I wish I could create those slightly offbeat, muted, tonal colours. But I think I always navigate to the real brights.
0: Um, but if that's I, what brings you joy and yeah. if you feel like you're good at so is there a joy in like putting different color combinations together is that part of the
1: yeah yeah because I just do it I, I think I do it well mm. I, I just I've got an eye for color so whatever I put together seems seems to work I just trust myself it's funny when you when you go to dye when I go to dye wool I never have a plan because I'll never think I'm going to get a make a blue scheme and I'm going to put x amount of colored speckles on it or i'm gonna have a tone all i'm gonna put it. i i'll never have a plan because i trust myself enough to get to the get to the the, the the point where i need my dye powders and i'm like right what am i going to do today and i'll go bop, 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 and i'll make something mm. and it's 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 usually good
0: yeah so, so it's like instinctive
1: it's instinctive yes
0: yeah yes I always ask about a significant knitting project. I don't know if you've got something in mind that feels significant. It can be significant in any way, like something you're proud of, something that was, I don't know, an important part of time of your life. Anything at I, all?
1: I, I thought about that question. Um, anything I make for someone, thats it, 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 not any one thing, because everything I make, I absolutely love. Mm. Um, but when I'm making something for someone I love, Mm-hmm. My grandson or my boyfriend or any one any other member of the family, it gives me real pleasure sometimes I'll get into the into the into the moment of the stitch and I'll look down and one of my hairs I've got long hair yeah. you'll have fallen onto the knitting and it probably sounds really gross, but you've probably done it yourself or your your hair just gets into the knitting you've got there yeah. too um, <laughs> and I love it I leave it there i'm like that's part of me in that and i i there's like love in every stitch yeah um i i made these were fun I made these for my grandson there. The hand spun little bunny, a set of bunnies. Oh, oh, the heads are yeah. a bit floppy now. Very colourful. Yeah, now they colourful Yeah, they were made from I dyed the wool, I spun it, I knitted them. Oh, so completely I from the scratch. Clothes, completely from scratch. And at the time, yeah. oh, the pleasure I got out of them was incredible. But my grandson I made them when he was about two or three, and he's seven yeah. now. And okay. they just sit in a corner somewhere. So mm. significant I just think it's always in the moment. Whatever I'm doing at the time, I absolutely mm-hmm. love this mitered square blanket I'm knitting is for my grandson, and every time I show it to him, he uh, he gasps like, oh, "Nana," and it's so sweet. It's, like, mm-hmm. oh, it's just a it's a blanket at the end of the day, or he calls it a blankie. But yeah. he chose the colors; he wanted yeah. blues and yellows, and of course, it is blues and yellows, but lots of lots of other colors interspersed. Um, a bit of
0: Nana interspersed,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I i'm just loving loving knitting it even though it's getting a tad boring (laughs) because it's like it's never going to be finished and it's made me put my stephen west project on hold because i found it really hard to do the two because if i was doing one i felt I was not being loyal to the other one
0: <laughs> I feel a bit like that with my <laughs> projects actually it seems quite silly I'm glad I'm not the only one who feels like disloyal to have started a new it's thing. <laughs> yeah. and
1: unfortunately Stephen West Shore just like got put on the pile because Jesse's blanket is way more important yeah. So I'm really hoping to finish that next week in London because it's, it's starting now. I'm getting I'm just over three quarters of the way through and, okay. and, and I need to end it. <laughs>
0: and that's a nice kind of collaboration in a way that he gets to be the kind of artistic director in terms of the colours and gets to see the joy of making a thing.
1: Yes. Because I yes. guess
0: even if he's not a knitter, there are other ways he could use that in his life to, I don't know, enjoy being creative or learn about making something from scratch and what that feels like and you get to be well, the boss I think that's a nice thing for kids isn't it they can be completely the boss of this creative project <laughs> boss of themselves boss of them they don't get um, to be the boss of many things
1: <laughs> yeah he's it, I see him a lot he he doesn't have a mum so I'm kind of a bit like a second mum to him and he so he's here a lot and um, he can knit I have taught him to knit amazing um well he can and he can't we have a ball of wool and some kids needles and a book and we get there but he doesn't do it often enough to be able to do it instinctively yet but But seven I'd
0: say is pretty much too young the well oh yeah I'd say from seven but I think certainly the kids I've taught doing a tiny bit when they show a glimmer of interest is the way I go
1: (laughs) yeah and I mean girls more than girls are more mature than boys so maybe seven for a girl is a better age but i think maybe eight nine if boys i would love jesse to be the next um stephen west i mean it's yeah. how successful he is um the stigma of boys knitting is, is gone hasn't it really i mean up here in yorkshire i think you get the men fishermen sitting in the pub sometimes knitting but it's not a big thing um, i've certainly
0: found in the groups i've done in schools in primary school i had 50 50
1: girls oh. and boys which I thought
0: was great so I'd asked yeah. the um, teachers to choose a group of kids who could benefit and we talked about some of the benefits of knitting and yeah so we uh had a 50 50 group split group and um yeah that you know I think just all children are different aren't they in terms of how motivated they are how easy they find it to sit and I think at the beginning knitting can be pretty frustrating you've got to persevere when you're not necessarily like very few people are naturally able to do it and I think their kind of manual dexterity um is different for all kids develop at different rates so um but I unfortunately in my secondary school group I didn't have any boys and I don't know whether Mm. that was down to who was willing to come or who was the, the teachers had approached about it um So I think there's a way to go but I feel hopeful that you know when those primary school children grow up (laughs) they might be more open-minded to um, think about the different people who could knit.
1: (laughs) It's maybe the next stage of life when they go to college and they become more grow into themselves a little bit more um, where they fashion designers you know where the boys will then start picking up on perhaps knitting and experimenting maybe as a, a teenager it's not cool still but, mm. the ones but certainly in terms are of
0: the things that I think can be helpful to us as knitters you could transfer to other things because knitting won't be for everybody um but really <laughs> <laughs> I've got friends who really can't can't you know feel like I think maybe sometimes they feel perfectionism might get in the way um and those kind of things but there are other things they do that they would that I think they get a lot of similar benefits from. For example, like making like complicated Lego kits or things like that that you kind of think, yeah, there's an element of a sense of achievement. There's doing something with your hands. There's putting your focus into a creative project. It's the kind of idea of you being the boss. Um, So I think there are a lot of similar things you could get from lots of different things. I think obviously knitting is particularly the only, <laughs> <good>. <laughs> yeah
1: well, yes this is the only important thing isn't it I'm I mean, interested certainly... in your relationship
0: with mistakes are you somebody because I think all knitters have a different position mm. whether you do they bother you do you unravel them and redo things do you let them let them sit
1: it depends on what mood I'm in really um mm. if I sometimes I'll take a deep breath and I will start again if I was way down in a project and I went wrong no I probably wouldn't and ultimately no I'm quite easygoing really mm-hmm. oh if I make the odd mistake it doesn't bother me ultimately like with the Stephen Westshaws, um em- embracing your mistakes he he encourages that I yeah. definitely made mistakes and when you look back on it a, a whole shawl who's ever going to notice one row is been purled instead of knitted or you just got to chill out about it no I-, I I wouldn't particularly bother if I was at the beginning of a project yeah I might take a deep breath and start again unravel it but No, No, I'm pretty easy going. What about you?
0: I I think my mum taught me what I think has turned out to be a helpful way of looking at it. So she says, well, like, this is your, like, there's no knitting police. Like, this is, you're the boss here. Is it going to annoy you? And if the answer is yes, then go back and, you know, if it's going to annoy you every time you wear that jumper, for example, go and unravel it. And if it's not going to annoy you, leave it like there's no nobody's coming to it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks it's your thing you're the you're the boss here and I think that's been a very helpful um way of looking at it so I um and the other thing I suppose is I'm very much about the process like I love the finished things I wear the finished jumpers all the time but I'm more much more about the process if I was stranded on a desert island with two knitting needles and a ball (laughs) of really boring brown yarn I'd 100% knit it unravel it re-knit it you know that I'd do that yeah, because yeah. it would help me but, would you not
1: go and collect some some um rushes and knit them into it
0: I would be doing that
1: <laughs> I would unless <laughs> and, it was annoying to them.
0: because oh. I think as long <laughs> as I could I think the most important thing to me would be the ability to continue to knit absolutely yeah so if I felt like I needed to unravel the yarn I'd just knit something and then I'd unravel it and then I'd go okay let's do it in lace or let's do it in cables and you know uh if I felt like I could source myself something to knit then maybe I'd get more experimental um yeah so I think I'm fine with unraveling like I unraveled a whole color work uh (gasps) sweater because (gasps) I'd knitted it Because I wanted it to be a relaxed fitting jumper. Now, I'd adapted the pattern to mean it had all over colour work, which changed the kind of gate, like the floats became too tight. So I really needed to go up a needle size. And I thought, do you know what? I really want that to be my Christmas jumper for the next decade. I want it to fit in a way that feels like a relaxed jumper. It doesn't. I'm fine with unravelling that because I love knitting it. In case I get to do it again. Yeah. And it's that okay. makes so much
1: sense that makes so much sense but like, it
0: doesn't like I don't feel it wasn't anxiety or perfectionism that made me do it yeah so I feel like it wasn't uh, I wasn't forced to do it <laughs> yeah. yeah um by a yeah, negative I emotion exactly the same. I just chose yeah. that actually no what I actually wanted this for was for it to be a relaxed fitting jumper and it isn't yeah
1: yeah that was the bigger priority
0: yeah yeah I think I'd be the same Lisa, is there something unrelated to knitting that you do to benefit your mental well-being as a human?
1: I am um, crazy about zumba. I, it, okay, <laughs> like wherever I am, and I so I'm in London or I'm in Gaul, I I will get back for my zumba class. Nothing, and I do it twice a week nothing interrupts my class and like everything else i do i have to be the best in the class and i did used to be a fitness instructor years ago and Uh the girl i found who teaches zumba now she's a dance she's a dancer so that's it she's perfect for me and zumba is my just everything gets put aside for zumba that that is my hour of phone off and i have quite a lot of drama i've got my dad with alzheimer's i've got my son my grandson um my phone's always going off with some problem, so that is the time when my phone is off for that hour. And i I get back in the car and look at and I'll be all these messages for me. But I'm good at it. It make I smile from ear to ear the whole way through. Mm-hmm. I, I, I absolutely love Zumba. And the other thing I have is I have a, a narrow boat. So this is a, part of my spontaneous personality. Um, yeah. We, my sister and I, both got a small inheritance, and she quite rightly paid off her mortgage <laughs> mm-hmm. and I went and bought a narrow boat. I was going to pay off my mortgage it's a bit like yeah. going going on the road and going left and then turning right I was going to pay off the mortgage <laughs> <laughs> but now you
0: have a boat I now I have a narrowboat so you don't boat. live on
1: your boat I would love to live on my boat yeah um but I, I don't have time in my life at the moment I've got my grandson my dad um uh, it is really hard for me to get away but it is an absolute I mean narrowboat in the tranquility. I must say, narrowboat is actually very, very stressful. You've got the locks. You've got you got great control over a boat because there's no brakes on it. And then you've got other boaters. You've got weather conditions. The locks are dangerous. But aside from all that, the bits in between, when you're actually just pootling along at four miles an hour, and you've got herons and and oh, I don't know beautiful scenery and. Mm. Seeing a whole hidden world that you like, you could be in Castleford and you feel like you're in a, the Amazon before you even get there because it's so beautiful. Um, ball that I have a narrow and that's the other thing I do. I try and get away on it as much as I can. And if I've got too much stress here, and I, it, the boat's moored in a marina because you can't just have a narrow boat and leave it anywhere, it's got to be somewhere. Mm. So I inevitably just get, get in my car and drive to go to my boat, mm-hmm. and I just sit on that for three days, and there's nothing there except me my ipad and netflix and my wall mm-hmm. that's it
0: so you bring the knitting with you that sounds oh, lovely
1: that's it and a, a log fire little like a little log fire thing yeah stone, i stone. actually
0: get to walk my dog down the canal near to here and see all the boats and always think you know see people sitting on a chair on top of their boat or smell the wood burner <laughs> and it's yeah, it lovely
1: <laughs> it's all those things it's yeah. all those things it's absolutely amazing. We've got a couple of old deck chairs and we just sit and just my boyfriend and I sit and just do nothing.
0: Oh, that sounds <laughs> lovely and very different in, in stark contrast to the Zumba. <laughs> but it sounds think, like both of them give oh, you a bit of escape from the demands of daily life.
1: So when I'm on my boat, yeah. I do live. I have live links to my Zumba class. <laughs> I pay to do Zoom so I can like, I hate snap. You can do it now.
0: from the boat. Is I do it on space? the boat
1: wow i'm on we call it poop deck it's it's the back of the boat and it's uh, there's, a, there's it's quite a big deck well not a narrow boat but there's quite a, a, few, a bit of room i'll just yeah. do it anywhere oh yes i do zumba if i'm away for two weeks i do my zumba class i don't miss it
0: Amazing. i do
1: it on the boat so it's quite funny There's pictures of me just like doing random moves on a boat when we're, we're moored up somewhere <laughs> on the canal and there's other people just walk past, will walk past this video footage of me and just look at me and it's, my boyfriend doesn't even feel need to say sorry sorry she's doing zumba he just sits on a deck chair and carries on reading a book he doesn't care but I don't care either I love it that is absolutely (laughs) the best of both worlds that's probably my my real happy place your
0: happy place (laughs)
1: my real happy place doing Zumba on the boat
0: yeah yeah and funny actually given what we've talked about in terms of thinking about focus and like um is that actually the first the time I realized was I used to go to Salsa dancing classes. Um, my husband came along just at the beginning of our relationship. It not was not something that was his thing at all, just because we just met, I think. And yeah, there were, and there were loads <laughs> of doctors there. And I was thinking, why are there so many doctors at a Salsa? Like literally like 30% of the people were doctors, which I just thought okay. was just, you know, 30% of all humans are not doctors. Um and then, you know, my husband was like, I, what I like about it, actually, he surprised himself by enjoying it because you can't think about anything else while you're doing it. Like when you're yeah. thinking about, you know, there's music, there's another human and salsa, it's a partner dance, you know, you have to think about what you're doing with your arms and legs. That's mutually exclusive with thinking about work stress or anything else. Um, and I guess that's a bit like a complicated knitting pattern. I suppose it's the same thing, isn't it? The kind yeah, of
1: absorption. with with audio, but with audio yeah. because there's the music as well. So yeah. you, there is no way you can focus on anything else. except yeah. coordination, and yeah, yeah.
0: So maybe it kind of ticks some of the same boxes in a maybe,
1: different way. Maybe it's mm. yeah. I mean, I was I have been a, I was a dancer when I was younger, so it was always something I was going to do. And again, turning. I used to do step dance in the eighties and turn my business turn my hobby into a business, um became a step instructor. <laughs> mm. I've done all sorts.
0: I always end with asking, what's the greatest gift that knitting has given you for the rest of your life?
1: I don't know. It's um as, as I think I said before, a happy dance with my hands. It's just the Oh I like of making... that. A happy dance with your hands. Yeah. I don't know to say that to you. I was trying to think of things that it is just happy dance in my hands. she makes me smile all over inside and out and it's everything to me really I think I wanted to end that with saying it's like the rhythm of life for me
0: really Mm. just it's a thread that carries through everything for you
1: yeah it is real soul food Mm. it's 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 I feel so lucky blessed that I have this in my world um when my sister was um if she's been she's been in hospital um and I've said when you're the right side of being in hospital like you're sitting in bed I could think nothing nicer than having a week in hospital knitting with no other pressures and so when she's been in that situation because she's been poorly over the time um I'm like don't you want to knit like, absolutely like she'd rather do nothing than knit. and I I I just don't get that I mm. feel so lucky to have it in my world
0: yeah
1: it's my everything mm. so it's everything in between life for me
0: hmm I think I felt like that in the pandemic as well there were lots of people I knew who'd had their hobbies kind of taken away because lots of things we couldn't do and I was thinking I'm so relieved that actually one of the things that really keeps me feeling centered and calmer when I'm stressed is knitting and if I was deprived of that like all the people who were you know I do run but I didn't until the pandemic and you know people who had hobbies that were very much based on things that were no longer allowed that was yes, hard I yes, think for them yes yes but they've had their coping strategies removed and had to rethink them
1: very hard to have been yeah. able to yeah I mean we even did live link zumba in in yeah so it was I was just delighted lockdown for me nobody could bother me no one was allowed in at first no the grandchildren nothing mm-hmm. um and it was just about me and knitting yeah and and it was a beautiful time it was a great time I really enjoyed well I
0: really love the happy dance with your hands that's (laughs) a brilliant way of putting it I haven't heard that before but I love it oh (laughs) uh, so
1: many analogies really for knitting yeah yeah.
0: well Lisa it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you thank you so much thank you um so if anyone wants to find out about your buying some of your yarn or any of those things where would they do that
1: oh it i have an etsy shop so it's ivy and lily ivy and lily Yarns.
0: Um, okay so that's on etsy yeah and is that the best place to find you rather than it's, instagram
1: yeah um yeah. again I, I mean i put a few pictures up on instagram um and i'm ivy and lily yarns on, on on instagram as well i'm not very okay. good at facebook but super yeah thank you so much oh it's been lovely talking to Mia, as well thank you <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you would like to find out more about my work, you can sign up to the newsletter on my website, which is therapeuticknitting.org. You can also follow me on Instagram at knitting is therapeutic. If you've enjoyed the podcast, it would be brilliant if you could leave me a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe because it helps more people to learn about therapeutic benefits of knitting.